This podcast is made possible by our supporters over on Patreon. If you'd like to support the show and get your own RSS feed with ad-free shows and extra episodes every month, then head over to patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro. We are back for another episode of the Nerd Cave Retro Show. My name is Jason Robbins. And my name is Derek Diamond. If I can talk without slipping up tonight, for some reason my tongue's not working. We got a uh, we got a pretty big <laughs> night of podcasting ahead of us. But we'll, yeah, we we'll get to We'll get to that a little bit later on. Mondays are crazy the, these days. So funny enough, and I know you and I have had this conversation, you know, before we switch the shows from Wednesday to Monday. Wednesday has, as long as I can remember, pretty much my entire adult life been like the busy day of the week. Mm-hmm. And crazy and funny enough, that hasn't changed. <laughs> it's actually been nice to kind of just come home and chill for a bit before the, the podcast start. Yeah, I always find uh, it was weird for the first week of not having a show on Wednesday night because we've I've always had a, sh- a podcast or something going on Wednesday night, so it's weird to not have anything going on. It's like when you, it, it's almost like I, I feel anxious, like I have to be doing something. And I don't know how it is around where you live, but I know here in Pensacola, there's always something going on on like trivia nights oh, yeah. or some some kind of thing going on. It's usually on Wednesdays because I remember I used to do trivia at um, Mellow Mushroom, that's not too far from my house. And like, as the second it would be over, I would rush to get back home to start doing the show by eight. And usually, I would make it, but yeah, yeah it's it's nice to be able to have the kind of the rest of the week to just you know work on other projects and and all kinds of stuff. Yeah, there's a lot of trivia nights around here, so I I, I need to get back out to trivia nights. I used to go all the time before the pandemic hit, and I haven't been in years to any trivia nights. I miss hosting it. I got tri- hosting trivia is just so much fun because funny enough, I was doing it mm-hmm. during the pandemic when, <laughs> you know, we didn't have baseball. I, I would host trivia every Thursday night at the stadium. And it was I got to pick the theme. I got to come up with the questions. I got to do pretty much have my you know, full creative control over it, which was really nice. So I, I do miss doing trivia. Yeah, I used to do um, I, I got to do it once at the, the Wayward Kraken before they closed down for the pandemic and I got to do the star Wars trivia. So that was a nice. really fun night. Yeah. Star Wars was, was up there on my favorites. We, we got to do uh, MCU. We got to do Harry Potter, like pretty much we got to do nineties and two thousands, which was really cool. And then one of the last ones we did was eighties themed and that attracted like a completely different crowd than what we were used to, which was really cool. Oh, I love a good eighties theme. Oh yeah, I, I even dressed up as uh, as Marty McFly. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> it, it's the only cosplay outfit that I have. Is like I have the full vest, the shirt, and, and everything. Yeah, I would be forced to to be uh, um, Doc Brown. Like that's the only thing I could do. <laughs> Marty, <laughs> or be Biff, one of the two. <laughs> oh, you too... could show up to '80s trivia and bully me. Yeah, I, I'm too big to be to be Marty. I would have to be one of those two. 
just walk up to me and go, hello, anybody home? Think, McFly, think. <laughs> I did want to say before we went into the show tonight that I, last week, we were talking about Obi-Wan, and I felt so bad after the show because I spoke about, and I still stand behind what I say uh, about Moses Ingram. I think she's a great character, but some of her acting choices were... I wasn't a fan of, and I made my uh, criticisms about some of the choices she made. And people can say what they want. I mean, you know, I'm no, I'm not hired by Disney to act. You know, like I, I don't get a say. So, it was just my opinion, and I come came around on her character. Like I really like her character. I didn't know at the time that the fan bros were going after her so hard on the internet. So I just wanted everybody to know that I I feel bad about what I said last week. I really didn't know that was going on, and it had nothing to do with race or gender or anything like that. It like that's you guys know me by now. That's not me. I was simply speaking as an actor, and I would take that with a grain of salt. You know, most of the stuff I say on this show, you know, I'm an old idiot. <laughs> I don't listen to what I say about anything. But I just wanted to apologize if I triggered anyone or made anyone think that I was part of that group that was like calling for her head, basically. I'm not, I had to, to fight people like that all week. And it's, I don't like it. I don't like that part of the fandom. I hate it. I, I hate the fan bros. And I just, I don't want to be looked at as part of that, that tribe. I don't want to be any, any part of that. The only thing I, well, I have two things. I, I feel like, you know, I, I steered the conversation <laughs> in that particular direction. And I, I, like you, I didn't know that that was going on. I didn't read about it until I think, what the day after yeah. we did the show when it, I heard that's what that it was. It was all the stuff was going on. That's when I sent the uh, message to you and I was like, man, I feel awful about what I said on the show. And I was like, well, I, I kind of instigated it. <laughs> so I, I, I'm no innocent party in this either, but I, I, the only thing I'll say, and I, I, I've been telling myself all day, cause I knew we were going to talk about this, that I really don't want to get R rated with this whole thing because I very easily could. Mm-hmm. It's just unfortunate that something that means as much, you know, Star Wars means a lot to both you and I. Yeah. It means a lot to a lot of people. I mean, look, I'm drinking my water out of a uh, Rise of Skywalker cup right now. I don't (laughs) think I got that one. I I got the, the one for the other two, but I don't think I ever got the Rise of Skywalker one. But it's just unfortunate that stuff like, you know, the, the Moses Ingram racist comments the fact that ewan mcgregor himself had to come out and say yeah you essentially give a statement and now all the fan bros are you know going on rotten tomatoes and bringing the rating down because of uh, because of moses ingram and i it's just unfortunate that that still goes on and the fact that because and i don't know what it is with star wars and maybe someone will come out and correct me and say other fan bases are like this too but i notice it the most with star wars because it's a fandom that i follow very closely mm-hmm. it's just unfortunate that we live in a day where people are still attacked because of their race and because of their gender or because of their gender I it's ha- just can can we not grow up a little bit exactly 
I mean, it's 2022. Why are we talking about this stuff? I, you know, I I had a uh, an online battle with someone the other day who was talking about, you know, she's a made-up character, like, just for specifically for the show. And I'm like, that's what fictional characters are. <laughs> like, the Star Wars characters weren't handed down by God. Like... Where do you think fictional characters come from? They're made-up fictional characters. <laughs> At the end of the day, when all is said and done, it's a movie, it's a show, it's a fictional franchise. The characters are not real. The actors that playing them are, and they're the ones that are feeling the brunt of all the the crap that's going on i mean look at what happened back when the sequel trilogy came out the fact that kelly marie tran and daisy ridley were driven off of social media by the fans and i'll be honest it's kind of embarrassing right now to say i'm a star wars fan Mm -hmm. publicly because it's like even other fandoms are like god you guys suck (laughs) Uh, so if you're one of those people knock it off that's all I got to say. I'll sum it up in two words. Grow up. Yeah. Grow up and knock it off. That's our stance. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Are you ready? Is, to... is rule number rule number one of everything. Don't be a dick. Yeah, exactly. Real quick, though. The episode of Kenobi that came out this past oh, week was incredible. I don't want, I've watched we, it like six times. We can't talk about it. We got to wait till it's all out. <laughs> yeah. And then we'll talk about it because that is the most spoilerific episode ever. Yeah. And, if you haven't seen yeah. it, just go watch it. Yeah, and then you'll watch it again and again and again like yeah. I did. So, We want to tell you all about our friends over at VideoGamesMonthly.com. If you're looking for a way to beef up your video game collection, then they have you covered. Just head over there, pick the box you want, and tell them what systems you want games for, and boom! It's like Christmas every single month. So if you're looking for that perfect gift for a loved one, or just treating yourself every single month. And I mean, hey, you deserve it. Just head over to VideoGamesMonthly.com and enter NCR in the Where Did You Hear About Us line at checkout, and you will get a free game in your first month's box. That's right, an extra game, absolutely free. So head over to VideoGamesMonthly.com. Yeah, let's get into the news. All right, here we go. Stories were submitted to us by Armez Jackson and Tyler Watson. And if you have a story you'd like us to cover, send them to NerdCaveRetro at gmail.com. This first story comes from NintendoLife.com. This is also a, uh, a two-parter from the Evercade uh, we were, uh, article we were talking about last week. Evercade is getting an EXP upgrade complete with IRAM and Topland collections. Um, Blaze's Evercade family of systems has proven to be somewhat of a hit in the Nintendo Life office for a wide range of reasons. Um, It offers legitimate access to classic NES and SNES titles. Um, The original handheld was joined by a home console variant last year. On the second birthday of the Evercade range, manufacturer Blaze has revealed the next entry in this line of systems, the Evercade EXP. It's a portable machine, but one that comes with an impressive upgrade over the original model. There's a much improved 800 by 48 pixel 4.3 inch IPS screen uh, protected by tempered glass, built-in Wi-Fi, USB-C for charging, 
Um, uh, let's see. Two additional fire buttons allow you to play vertically, scroll, vertically scrolling shmups. Uh, let's see. TV out via mini HDMI is still included, but has been redesigned to help cable stability. And the rechargeable battery is rated at 3,000 MA, and I don't know what that means, uh, which will offer around four to five hours of playtime. And, and it runs about the same as the uh, the Switch, my mm-hmm. original Switch. It runs about four and a half, out, five hours. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, this thing's coming out. Um, does it give a... Did it, it is supposed to come out in the winter. Um, I'm looking, let's see here. I don't think they've announced an actual date yet. I believe they said it's going to come out this winter. Yeah, but, uh, uh, oh yeah, it says here the system will cost, um, $150, uh, okay. in the U S when it launches this winter. Yeah. There's so. also, uh, if you scroll onto the bottom of the, the article, there's a limited edition that is, uh, that's a black, that's uh, Evercade, cool. which I'm going to be honest. I kind of want one of these. I do too. <laughs> it, it looks really cool. The the trailer and shout out to to Axeblade 07 who tagged us in it on Twitter when he he posted it. It it kind of sold me on it. I'm yeah. not gonna lie. Like looking at it and seeing what they offer, and it comes and 150 dollars ain't bad. It comes with the IRM Arcade One, a new cartridge based collection, uh, which includes R Type, In the Hunt, Moon Patrol, Ten Yard Fight, Battle Chopper, Mister Healy. And lightning swords. That's not bad. This is not a bad system for 150 bucks. No, not at all. And uh, there will be more content announced in September. So it'll be. I'll be very curious to see what that will be. But the limited edition, it has got. It just looks really cool. Like I, I like the black version a little bit better. Me too. Um, it, it's got some cool features with it. So. I'm curious as to how much it's going to be. It doesn't say here in the article, but I'm excited for it. Well, it says 149, so that's what I'm for with the cartridge uh, system collection. Uh, and I think it comes with this black carry case. Yeah, it comes with a hard carry case too. Yeah. Um, it says here the the limited edition is limited to 5,000 units. Uh, pre-orders are available now, and it'll cost 179. Um, I'm assuming that's euros or pounds. Either one. <laughs> They're yeah. about the same. Yeah. So I don't know what that converts to as far as American goes. I'll look that up real quick. All right. Uh, but yeah, this is going to be coming out in the winter, and I think I'm going to have to get one of these. This is just way too mu- too good of a deal to pass up. It'll be the limited edition is 192 bucks. So I think that's worth it to spend like an extra 40 bucks to get a better looking console with the carrying case. It's got a key ring, a poster, a certificate of authenticity. I'm I dig it. I do too. I, I, I hope, really dig it. Hopefully, they'll make enough of these that I'll actually be able to get one. Hopefully so. Let's see. Our next story also comes to us from NintendoLife.com. Forgotten Game Boy Gem Avenging Spirit is getting a one time physical release. Uh, Retrobit, the retro gaming stockist and publisher, has revealed its very first Game Boy release for arcade uh, 
Capcom Game Boy classic Avenging Spirit. Not many people have heard of this forgotten classic, but it's absolutely worth digging up. Released on the Game Boy in 1992 and later brought to the 3DS's virtual console, despite the adorable-looking ghost on the cover, you actually can't stay as a ghost for too long, and you must possess various people in order to survive, all to find your girlfriend. A spooky game needs a spooky limited edition to match, and what's more fitting than a glow-in-the-dark cartridge, which actually looks really cool. I like that. I do too. Uh, the physical release will cost uh, $45 in the US. And you can find out where to pick it up in both North America and Europe on a separate page, which is uh, retro bit.com. Uh, the pre order period is open now and closes on July 3rd. So if you're listening to this when it comes out, you've still got a little less than a month in order to do so. But I never heard of this game. So I, I, I was very surprised to hear about it but i feel like every week now we're hearing about these re-releases and the, these games that maybe didn't have the greatest of a run during the 90s or even you know, farther back are finding a new lease on life which is really cool i'm surprised you hadn't heard of it because it was it came out in 92 for the game boy and then went to the 3ds virtual console yeah, this one just it completely passed me by. And I, I they have a picture of the original uh, cover art, and it does not look familiar to me at all. So I, I, it's got me curious. It's got me curious. And for our last story tonight, this comes from VideoGamesChronicle.com. Sega has announced a Mega Drive Mini 2, including Mega CD games. Um, the Mega Drive Mini 2 will include 50 Mega Drive and Mega CD titles, including arcade ports and what Sega describes as a mysterious new work. The console was announced during a Japanese Sega live stream, which at the time of writing is still ongoing. Uh, and some of the games that they released is uh, Slip... Si How do you say that? Silfeed? Um, yeah, that, that, that sounds right. Shining Force CD, Sonic CD... Uh, Mansion of Hidden Souls, uh, Shining Through the Darkness, Thunder Force 4, Magical, Terraruto, and Fantasy Zone. Um, so this, of course, is the, the Mega Drive Mini, which we didn't get the Mega Drive here in America. We got the Genesis. So this is basically another Genesis Mini that we're going to be getting, hopefully sometime soon. They haven't announced the American version, but it's coming. And... Um, it, I imagine they'll probably release it around Christmas. I'm thinking like an early December release because that, it's yeah. it's going to come out in Japan on October 27th. And I got to say, you know, like I, I mentioned it possibly being a, a mini Dreamcast, but mm -hmm. I like the fact that we're getting another Genesis mini because, you know, I've played the NES, SNES and the mini Genesis. I want to speak for you, but I personally prefer the Genesis you know, over both Nintendo consoles. Yeah, I think it, it has a better overall game selection. Such is so worth the money. And yeah. this one comes with the six-button controller, too, which the first one should have, but, you know, they kind of went OG, old-school, uh, original Genesis controllers with just the three buttons. And uh, which is Rampage, understandable. Rampage in the chat room said Sylphide was pronounced correctly, so... Thank you. <laughs> Rampage. Rampage. Um, but yeah, this is really exciting because I'll pretty much pick up anything that Sega puts out now as far as mini. 
goes and if they want if they decide to ever put out a uh a Dreamcast, I'll be there for that too because I didn't get to experience a Dreamcast at all, and I would, I would, I would pick it up day one just so I could have that experience of playing those games. I'll be very curious to see what other games are going to be coming out for the this new Genesis Mini because I'm not nearly as familiar with Sega's catalog as I am with Nintendo. Yeah, especially the only CD announced- games like the Sega CD. I didn't really play anything except Sewer Shark and. Uh, uh, what was the one with Corey Haim? Um, it was the... <sighs> I can't remember. Let me Google that real quick. <laughs> yeah, the... I'm trying to think of what other games that could come out for it. I mean, they released really all the Sonic games for... Besides Sonic 3 for um, the original Genesis Mini. Maybe they'll do Sonic 3 and Knuckles, which would almost make Sonic Origins obsolete yeah it's called double switch by the way the game that okay had Corey Haim in it okay i would love if they put um i think night well nights into dreams i think was on the saturn so that wouldn't be on here but um let me look that up yeah i'm really excited i hope this one does just as well as the first yeah. genesis yeah and i hope then... so too uh, i i I wish Nintendo would have done another SNES classic or an NES classic. Like the the market is there. I just don't know why they won't do it. I don't know why they didn't make those with um with the ability to go online and be able to download more games for them. Yeah, just have, go to nintendo.com. They release like say 10 games a month. I would prefer more, but I'll just say that as an example. Yeah. And, and then you Bugsy, Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say, then you download the games from the site for like a dollar or two dollars. And then you plug your system up to your computer and you put the games on them that way. I would do that. And Touch Biloxi said the N64 Classic would print money. Of course it would. But the problem is, we already know by now because of when they released all the N64 stuff on the Switch, they don't know how to emulate the N64 stuff. That stuff is very hard to emulate. And I think that's the problem. That's the reason why we haven't gotten an N64 Mini, as those games are nearly impossible to emulate. Well, I remember back in the day when (laughs) emulators and ROMs first became a thing. And I was like, oh, I'll play these old Nintendo games or these old Super Nintendo games. Then I was like, I'd love to play N64. But none of the emulators really got it right. Mm -hmm. So I had to wait until you know, years later when I eventually got a physical N64 to play those games again, now you can play it and it's good for the most part as far as playing an emulator for the N64. But as far as it took them a while to get it right. Do you guys really want to use that controller again? Do you really want to go back and use that controller again? Because let me tell you, your memory is not as good as, you know, you're looking at it with rose colored glasses. That controller was awful. I would only get the N64 Mini as like a collector's thing, like just to say that I have all of them. But that's just me. Unless they redid those games and gave me a right thumbstick, I would not want to go back and do that. I'd rather them just fully remaster games like Mario 64 or Ocarina of Time and put them on the Switch. That would be nice. And uh, now we're ready to go into this month in video game history. (laughs) 
On June 6th of 1984, Alex, I'm, I'm going to butcher this name, Alexei Pajitnov, Pajitnov, I don't know Pajitnov. How to say it, <laughs> creates Tetris for the Electronica 60 in the Soviet Union. And if you haven't seen the, uh, the Gaming Historian YouTube video documentary about Tetris um, and Nintendo's fight with Tengen and everything, if you've not seen that video, holy crap, go watch it. It's about 45 minutes long, and it is excellent. I still need to watch it myself, but uh, like Tetris, who hasn't played Tetris? You know, it's one of the most iconic games of that time period, and the it's what I would call one of the ultimate time killer games. Like if you just want something to to play that you can just kind of jump into, like Tetris is up there. And it, funny enough, I don't think either of us have really done a full review of Tetris, but it's also like, what is there to review? Like yeah. you just. Describe what Tetris is. Pretty and much then a perfect much puzzle game. Yeah, it's my personally my favorite puzzle game, and it's got one of the most iconic and best theme songs Dude, of all Tetris time. Tetris ninety nine, like Tetris ninety nine, is just oh, the game's so good. It blew my mind the first time I played Tetris ninety nine. I'm just like, oh my god! <laughs> when you get down and you're like, the, like the last ten to fifteen people, it's insane. I only made it that far a couple of times, and it's almost overwhelming. I got down to how fast it goes. I was the lat. I was the down to. I got down to number six one time, and and the blocks were dropping so fast, like I didn't even see where they were dropping. Yeah, I I never made it quite that far. The uh, Mario ninety nine was more my speed. Please, there I got. I made Nintendo. it to second. No, you. Every time you say that, it makes me want to cry. Please, Nintendo, bring back Mario ninety nine. That why did you take that away from us? Why? I I don't know. There needs to be a Sonic ninety nine. Like that would be oh. absolute <laughs> chaos. But I would love it. Yeah. Oh, it'd be so good. On June third of nineteen eighty six, Nintendo releases Super Mario Brothers: The Lost Levels as the sequel to the Super Mario Brothers. The game was not released in North America, partially because it was deemed too difficult. It was released for the first time as part of the Mario All-Stars collection uh, for the Super Nintendo. And I, not too long ago, decided, you know what, I'm going to try out the Lost Levels. Because I I didn't really play it that much when I had a physical copy of Mario All-Stars. It's pretty hard. Like, I, I can't make it very far at all. I can't even remember what world I made it to, but it it is immensely more challenging to me than the original. Yeah, I think um, I think if they would have released the Lost Levels as Super Mario Brothers Two in America, I don't think Mario would have gone as far as it did. I think the re- a lot of people hate on Super Mario Brothers Two or the reskin Doki Doki Panic, as people like to say. I think that's the reason because it was so different from the first game and it was just as equally good I think as the first game even though it was completely different style of gameplay and then you took those games and you mashed them together to make Super Mario Brothers 3, Super Mario World. I think the, the uh, making Doki Doki Panic the uh, the American version of Super Mario Brothers 2 was the smartest thing that Nintendo did. And yeah, it's different, but it's not like 
otherworldly different. Like you still have the platforming aspect. The only real difference to me is that you don't get any power ups. Yeah. And the boss fights are a little, you know, are a little different. But if we didn't have Mario Brothers 2, we wouldn't have Shy Guy, mm-hmm. who's popular in his own right. And of course, Birdo has, you know, Birdo has a quite a big fan base as well. We would never gotten those characters if not for Mario Brothers 2. We just need to have Wart come back, make a comeback, make I... him team up. He could team up with Koopa and, like, dude, that would make an awesome final battle. Having to take on Toad and King Koopa at the same time, I can't believe that Wart hasn't been brought back. I know that'd be that'd be fun. Like make him like you could even do it as a surprise for like the next 3D Mario game. Yeah. Just have him show up in, in like the final battle, and you're just like, oh my god, it's, <laughs> it's the giant frog from Mario Brothers too. It'd be great. He he was a yeah. great final boss. I'm gonna say it. He was a great final boss. He needs to make a comeback. Wait, because you actually had to be strategic with how you fought him. Yeah. And and not just run and grab the axe at the end of the bridge. Yeah, exactly. I like Wart. Uh, let's see. June of 1989, Lucasfilm Games releases puzzle game Pipe Mania, which lives on in other titles as visual representation of computer or security system hacking. I was never that big of a fan of, of Pipe Mania. And I really, as much as I love Bioshock, that's probably my least favorite part of the game is when you have to do the hacking and, you know, putting all the pipes together. It just, I don't know, it makes my anxiety go up. <laughs> yeah, I've I've tried a little bit of, of Pipe Mania, and it, it's just, it's not really my thing, I guess, but I, I just couldn't really get into it personally. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, June twenty second of nineteen ninety six, ID Software releases Quake for MS DOS. I never played Quake, but man, that cover art is so recognizable. Oh yeah, Quake was great. I only got to play it a few times back then, but uh, it's still people still play it. Like it's still the basis for all you know, <laughs> uh, first person shooters basically that we play today, like as far as the, you know, online multiplayer stuff. I'm going to make a, a point later this year to play a couple of the, the PC games that I talk about periodically that, you know, like I grew up knowing about, but never played. Yeah. At some point this year, I'm going to do it. Quakes. I don't good. know when, but I'm going to do it. Um, June of 1997, Amicus releases Harvest Moon for the SNES. You're a oh, big Harvest, Harvest Moon, Moon fan. I love the original Harvest Moon. It's another one of those great time killer games. A very simple concept. You inherit a farm and you make it successful. <laughs> Sounds a lot like Animal Crossing. Pretty yeah, you grow you grow your turnips, you grow um corn, you grow all kinds of vegetables. Um the the seasons change, which is really cool and it's it can be interesting because in the winter you can't grow anything, so you got to save up your money mm. and also take care of your, your livestock, you know, don't, don't leave them out in the cold hmm. and all that kind of stuff. But there, there's other cool things that you can do in the game too, but it's, it's a game I reviewed a long time ago on this show, but I, I love Harvest Moon. One of my favorite Super Nintendo games. And June 19th of 2000, I, I thought this might've happened a little bit sooner than this, but on June 19th of 2000, Microsoft acquired a little-known company called Bungie. 
Well, the interesting thing was that Halo was originally developed for Apple mm-hmm. before they were bought by Microsoft. Little, little trivia knowledge for you there today. And how vastly different would Microsoft be <laughs> if they did not have Halo? What if we'd had the Apple Xbox? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, uh, that that's a fun what if scenario, because yeah. I, I don't know that Microsoft would have one gotten into gaming as far as consoles go and two, if they would have survived, because like the Xbox, like its anchor was Halo. Yeah. So who knows what would have happened if it wasn't for Halo, Xbox would not have had we would probably wouldn't have Xbox as it is today if it wasn't for Halo. No, I don't think it would have made it past its original run. But, uh, but that brings us to the end of this month of video game history. And before we go into the review tonight, Derek has shout-outs. Yes, as always, we want to shout-out our awesome patrons over at patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro. We want to shout-out Daniel Salmon, Tyler Watson, Axblade07, Armez Jackson, Hand Solo, Carlos Longoria, a.k.a. Rampage, Staff Sergeant Sketch, Gus and Penny, Matthew Salmon, Mike Eveland and Mr. Brandon Rutledge. Thank you all so much for your continued contributions to the show. And if you want to be a part of our awesome Patreon community, you get early access to our fun commentary tracks like Darkwing Duck and Chippendales Rescue Rangers, which we released for the general public uh, this past week, which was a really fun conversation. I know we didn't talk a ton about yeah. the actual shows, <laughs> but it was a fun trip down memory lane. Yeah, it was it was basically just us talking about you know uh, a childhood and renting video games and buying games at the at different stores that were open when we were kids. So it was a nice little jaunt down memory lane. Yeah, but we've done other great commentary tracks as well, like Super Mario Brothers, Clue, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, episodes of Batman the Animated Series, the X Men Animated Series, a ton of great content over at patreon.com of course if you want to sign up head over to patreon.com slash retro and for new patrons be sure to send us your social media info whether it's twitter facebook instagram wherever you prefer to give us uh that way we can give you a proper shout out are you a coffee lover do you sometimes need that little extra boost for some all-night gaming sessions well you should head over to brezcoffeeco.com they have so many different flavors of coffee. Doesn't matter what type of coffee you like, they got you covered. Try the Good for Gaming Roast or the Two Hardies One Ship, which is a rum and dark chocolate flavored roast. Not to mention, they keep their seasonal flavors all year long, like the Fall Spice or the Sweet Tooth. They can even add flavors to your coffee. So whatever you need, head over to brezcoffeeco.com and use the code NCR for 10% off of your order. And tonight, I'm going to be talking about... Spider-Man Return of the Sinister Six was developed by... Bit Studios and published by LJN for the Nintendo Entertainment System in 1992. It was also released, uh, versions of the game were also released for Sega Master System and Game Gear um, by the Flying Edge division of Acclaim. 
It's loosely based on the story arc of the same name, which was published in The Amazing Spider-Man number two, number 334 through 339 in early 90s, which I have that entire run. I think I have all of The Amazing Spider-Mans from like 1988 to like 1992. I That's awesome. I have all those. Um, the plot is Dr. Octopus is setting his master plan into action to take over the world with the help of the Sinister Six. Spider-Man managed to defeat all of them and save the world. The reason I wanted to play this game is uh, we did a review of um, Spider-Man and uh, Maximum Carnage on this show. And I remember we both enjoyed that game. Mm -hmm. And I've heard nothing but praise from people about Spider-Man and uh, Maximum Carnage. Because that's a really good game for the Super Nintendo. So I wanted to go back and play this title for the regular Nintendo. Because um, I had never played this game before. And my first impressions were, as soon as you load the game in, music's great. You get a really cool, like, you know, splash page at the front with all the Sinister Six going after Spider-Man. I'm like, this might actually be pretty good. Get into the game. Graphics look pretty good. You know, they're not bad. Music's pumping. And then you get into the game. <laughs> and first off, from the very beginning of the Nintendo and the invention of the, the NES controller, the A button was established by Super Mario Brothers that the A button was to jump. And the B button is to run and do all of your action stuff. This game switches those around and it's almost impossible to get used to. And I don't like it when games... It's, that's almost an automatic fail when games do that wrong. I feel like LJN was like, you know what? This formula that's so successful, let's flip it around and see what happens. <laughs> like, why would you mess with perfection? I don't know. They ain't reinventing the wheel. <laughs> you have two buttons. Two yeah. buttons. That's all you got. And you messed it up. Like, how did you mess it up, LJN? Come on, man. Yeah, it's... I, I don't... I don't understand that. I have not played this game for the NES. I do remember it for the Game Gear. Um, I saw it advertised, and I remember seeing it in stores. But I never played it. And I'll be honest, I haven't really thought of it since that time. And I, I feel like I'm somewhat well-versed in Spider-Man games because I've played quite a few of them because I do like Spider-Man quite a bit. But th this is one that, you know, I just completely missed because i didn't really have a ton of games for the game gear i got the game gear mostly for sonic well like i said and i may I, have had one or two other games for it but never never played return of the sinister six i like the level design in this game i like the way spider-man jumps but as far as his attacks go his his hit detection is absolutely atrocious and also the the jump button is fine but when you go to hit something, you if there's like a second, whole second delay before he does what any kind of action as far as whether he punches or kicks or you actually go through the level and you got to pit. And for, I don't know why they did this. This makes no sense. You can web swing all day long in the game. 
you never run out of fluid. But if you want to have a ranged attack where you shoot little globs of uh, web fluid at your enemies, you have to get the, um, the web cartridges that are hidden throughout the level. And you only get like seven or eight um, uh, shots out of it. So you want to have it find there's I think there's two in each level. So you want to ha- get those and keep them until you get to the the boss in each level because that's the best way to take on the boss because trying to kick them or punch them is nearly impossible because not only the the hit detection is awful, but the full second delay before he does anything is just why would you do that? Why? I mean, level design is great and all, but if you don't have good controls, especially for games around that time, like you're you're done. You're just absolutely done because you're just going to get frustrated. Like you can have a good looking game, but if it plays like crap, you're you've lost you've lost your your consumer. And I only made it to the third level in the game because, I, you know, I actually got so good at speed running the first two levels. I just avoided every single enemy until I get to the boss. It's it's you can literally avoid every single because you can jump so high and you do a flip that you can just literally jump over every enemy in the game until you get to the boss and that's it. But by the time I got to the third boss, which was I don't remember who the third boss was. The first boss was Electro. Second boss was Sandman. No, third boss is Mysterio. Like you. It's impossible, <laughs> like, by that point. And not only that, but you only get two lives and then one continue. So basically you have to defeat the whole game on four lives. No. that's. <laughs> I'm going to be quite honest. This game, from what little you've talked about it, it already sounds like a hard pass for me. Eh, yeah, I mean... That, that's, that's just obnoxious. It is, like... I, I don't know, like, if you're a game tester, because they had testers for these games back in the day. That was that was people that would test these games. How could you play this game and be like, yeah, this is good. Put this out. Because you, you, your hit detection is awful. You can't hit anything. Um, and you, I can't, you could never really figure out what, what walls you could crawl on and what you can't like you can walk on some of the walls that are in the background doing a wall crawl but like the walls that like if you're you know it's a side scroller so if you try to jump on a wall like from the side scrolling like you can't hang on to the wall like why why wait why i'm spider-man why can't i crawl on anything in the game I was about to say you can't do one of Spider-Man's very basic <laughs> powers. You, you can go look at the VOD. I did. Uh, uh, I streamed on Twitch the other day playing this game. And in level two, there's this area in level two that I kept falling into because I was trying to go across it and get the one of the extra um, uh, cartridges, your web fluid cartridges. And I ended up falling into this damn pit every single time when I was trying to go back over and you can't get out. Like, you try to web swing. Like, there's no way to get out. I literally had to just restart the game because there's no way to get out of the pit. There's n- I tried everything. I'm starting to wonder if this game was even finished. 
I don't think it was. <laughs> and I think they hated kids. They were just like, let's put this bottomless pit in here with no way to get out and just leave it. Like, why would you do that? I, you, I'm trying to think of a nice way to say this, but I really can't think of it. You, when I saw that this was an LJN game, I, I knew you weren't going to like it. Well, I don't, I, I thought that maybe, just maybe, because they did so good with Maximum Carnage, and you go play Maximum Carnage, and yet it, it, the only complaint I have about that game is it tends to start getting a little boring because it is a long game, but it is playable and fun. It's just very long. It's a little too long for a side-scrolling beat-em-up, but that's the only bad thing about it. It's got great music. It's got great graphics, great music. I mean, hell, it's got a freaking Black Sabbath song in it, for Christ's sakes. It's great. It's a great game. This one, it was just, it's like they spent all this time, like, making great, you know, uh, level design and making the characters look great. And, you know, the box art is great. The music's awesome. And then they were just like, how does this thing play? Eh, don't worry about it. They'll buy it just because it's Spider-Man. Like, why would you do that? They'll see old Webhead on the box and they'll spend <laughs> their money. It's just dumb. I, I, and, and here, Nintendo Power commented on the NES version of the game, praising its graphics while stating the play control was weak, commenting that you can release what looks like a perfect punch and end up swinging right past your enemy. Yeah, because there's no hit detection in the game. None. Uh... I'm a little curious to try this game like because of how bad you say it is. Like there will be games that sound so bad that I'm intrigued to see just how bad they are. <laughs> but yeah, it usually doesn't work out that That's great my for me. problem with LJN is like they had good ideas for some of their games, but they're just their execution was just lazy. It's like they come up with a good idea and then when they see how how much work they have to put in they're like yeah. you know what we'll just we'll just do this it'll be okay but like i said i only got three levels in and i was done and i'd been playing for like, like an hour and a half two hours and i and if you're not going to give me infinite continues or more than two lives to get through the game like I don't want to play your game at that point. That's just an, and then you turn the buttons around, the buttons are wrong. And then the punch button just doesn't even work. Like just don't even use it because it doesn't work. I'm not going to play your game because it sucks. I feel like maybe the developers just had like a really bad day at the office. <laughs> and, and this was their way to like get their frustrations out. Like, you know what? Screw everybody else. This is what we're doing. It's like if you'd have just spent another day, maybe, like just coding some good hit detection into the game, it probably wouldn't have been that hard to do. Another day, another day or two, just work on it a little bit more. This game would have been great. Like it, it looks good and it, it sounds good, you know, in theory, like it's, Spider-Man and the Sinister Six, like you put those two things together, that's usually money because it's got 
like most of Spider-Man's iconic villains. But the thing with these adaptations is, yeah, you can put the name on it, and sure, it'll sell some copies, but at least take a little bit of pride in your work. Yeah. And I'm going to say, this game, you know, as far as a comic book-inspired game, it looks as good as the Batman NES game. But you mm-hmm. play Batman NES game, and that game plays like a, a like like an NES game should be played. Like, you cannot get more tighter controls than that game. Like, that Mega Man, Super Mario Brothers, like, the tightest controls and the greatest, like, hit detection you can program. If they would have just put that little extra bit, if this game would have played like Batman, this would be considered probably one of the greatest games for the NES. And to be honest, it should be. It should. Like, everybody likes Spider-Man. Yeah. So, like, you see a Spider-Man game and you like, oh, cool, Spider-Man game, but then you get so disappointed that it sucks. Where it's like, you associate Spider-Man with so many great things with the comics, the cartoon, and you may I know this is years later, but most things associated with Spider-Man are successful and thankfully we have you know the marvel spider-man game for the ps4 Uh we mentioned maximum carnage and other good spider-man games but to me they should all be at least decent if i would have gotten this game as a present like a christmas present or a birthday present as a kid or hell if i would have saved up my my money you know cutting lawns and spent hard-earned you know fifty dollars on this game Back in 1990, when did this come out? 92? I would have been angry <laughs> after getting this game. Well, first you would be happy because you'd see like, oh, Spider-Man game, and <laughs> yeah. then you'd play it, and then then you'd get angry. That's why, I, you know, after a while I just started uh, renting games, and I would buy the good ones because you just couldn't trust it back then with these type of licensed games like we've talked about this before licensed games were just hit or miss man yeah but it's it's still like i was expecting you to say this game was not good but it's still disappointing because it should by all accounts be a good and fun game it should be a good game exactly right it should but it's not it's pretty to look at it's nice to listen to but it's unplayable, pretty much. It's absolutely unplayable. So I got to ask, what would you give it on a scale of 1 to 10? <laughs> it's not even a good middle-of-the-road game because it's un- literally unplayable. I- I'm going to have to give it a 4. It's it's definitely below 50%. The only reason I give it a 4 is because the sa- like the the people that worked on the soundtrack and the actual uh you know graphics of the game they made it they gave it the 4 <laughs> if it wasn't for that it would be a 1 is it still better than fester's quest you know funny you should ask that <laughs> <laughs> i was thinking the other day <clears throat> i was looking through my nes collection and i saw fester's quest sitting there and I was like, you know what? I think I'm going to give it another try. I didn't do it yet, but I think after 
I review the big game that I'm going to do next. The thing after that is going to be Fester's Quest Revisited. I can't wait. So <laughs> so for those that might be newer to the show, you should go back in the archives and listen to the Fester's Quest episode because it has still, I think, the best rant that's ever been <laughs> on this show. Like, I, I almost left my desk and went and made popcorn. <laughs> that's how good it was. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to have to go back and listen to that because I remember, I think I'd gotten food poisoning or something. And You, I w- you were, because you texted me afterwards and you were like, I think I have a fever. Because <laughs> I was just, I was like out of my mind, like fever ranting about yeah. that game. So this was early in the in the show's run. Like this was like episode, what, like eight or something like that. It was very early because I, I still lived in my apartment back then. Yeah. So go back and listen to that episode and then get ready for me to do a revisit of Fester's Quest. I, that's exciting. Like, I, I think we are at the point now where we can do some some revisited reviews. I think so. Uh, and yeah. as far as, like, bad games go, Fester's Quest was probably the worst. And I think I should go back and just redo the worst and see if I still feel the same way about it. Now I'm not going to go back and revisit Superman 64. Oh, there's no before, need. Before before anybody <laughs> asks that, like there's no way I'm going to go back and do that. There's no need to do that. Don't put yourself through that again. No, I'm I can guarantee you my opinion has not changed. <laughs> but uh, but that brings us to the end of the episode. Derek, what is going on with feature presentation? Oh, we so we've both got some pretty big interviews with mm-hmm. our our other respective shows. So at 8 p.m. tonight, uh, feature presentation with Derek Diamond is back with another episode. And I have the pleasure of chatting with one of the, to me, the most legendary actors of all time. One of the great characters, especially villain actors, uh, Vernon Wells from uh, The Road Warrior, Commando, Weird Science. His IMDb is insane. And he's still actively working. Like, he's got... 10 projects that are in post-production and he's got some others that he's currently working on. So and he's in his seventies. So he's still, he's still going strong. He'll be on the show to talk about his career as well as a, a cool movie he's in. That's actually going to drop uh, online tomorrow. If you're uh, listening or watching live, uh, it's called tales from the other side. It's a horror anthology movie, which is actually really cool. And he, he plays a uh, a creepy funeral parlor director. So That's so cool. Yeah, as soon and you you hear his voice before you see him because he's got one of the most distinctive voices to me of any actor. So I'm I'm really excited to to be chatting with him. That'll be at 8 p.m. Central Time tonight. Um, if you're listening to this on the download, the audio version will be out uh, Tuesday morning, but the video version will stay on YouTube, and you can follow the show on social media at Feature Press Pod. And you have to let him know that I base my entire performance and survey off of him and Mad Max Road Warrior. <laughs> and if you've never seen Road Warrior, it's one of the best action movies ever made. Road Warrior and... Uh... Fury Road are just two fantastic Mad Max movies you should watch right now. Yep, absolutely. And uh, coming up in just a little while on the Open Micers podcast, I'm going to be talking with Raylan Nelson, the daughter of Willie Nelson of the Raylan Nelson band. So I can't wait to talk to her 
And uh, I always love it when musicians are on the show. And to have the daughter of Willie Nelson on the show is huge. So come back and check us out on Open Micers. And um, I think that's about going to do it for tonight. What do you say? Yeah, for sure. I, I can't wait to hear the stories that she's got. They got to oh, yeah. be legendary. <laughs> and Vernon Wells, too. We got, man, we got our work cut out for us tonight. Yeah, we do. And you can catch both of those episodes. If you don't catch them live, you'll catch them uh, and later this week on yep. the podcast feed. So go subscribe to Feature Press Presentation Podcast and the Open Micers Podcast on your respective uh, podcast catchers. And yes. uh, that's going to do it for this week. I'm going to play our music. And if you would like to email us, email us at nerdcaveretro at gmail.com. We are on Facebook, facebook.com slash nerdcaveretro. We're on Instagram and Twitter at nerdcaveretro. And individually at jfunktastic and at Derek underscore diamond. Go buy some merch. We have shirts, bags, uh, coffee mugs, stickers, magnets, everything over at ncrmerch.com. And of course, we have our Patreon at patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro, where as little as a dollar a month keeps the lights on, and we do those commentary tracks for you every single month. And if you can't do that, I understand times are tough. Go leave us a review, please, wherever you download your podcast from. It helps push us up in the ratings and in front of more people. So, Derek, please tell them what it's all about. With great power, there must also come great responsibility. Yes, which they did not have. <laughs> oh, a fellow chucker, eh? Monkey!